It's the Other Ground Live, the live call-in podcast of 10% larger hemorrhoids than any other show. I'm Passive J. That's Ryan over there. Say hello, Ryan. Good day, cunts. <laughs> Today we'll be talking about some legendary OG threads and the dumbest things you've ever seen drunk people do. So, Ryan, how are you doing today? You know, I'm here. I, I have not succumbed to the corona yet, so uh, hey, another day. There you go. Well, I guess that's what we're going to talk about to start off with, since that's why we started the entire podcast, sitting at home bored because of the quarantine. Uh, apparently, they're working on the stimulus thing still, uh, which is not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear that it was done. Well, it's, so from what I understand, it's signed. It's just they're working over the language because, you know, it's Congress. Do we really expect them to be good at their jobs? Very true. <laughs> Glad to see we got the normal wacky assortment of people in our chat box. Good to see you guys. Woohoo. Uh, and uh, as always, you guys are more than happy to, uh, more than happy to, we're more than happy to take your calls. Uh, so feel free to do that anytime. Uh, we're hoping to have some guests tonight. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. So um, anyone want to call in right away or should we get started on the different topics? Oh, look at that. Right off the bat. Excellent. Let us welcome uh, Tablu Rasa. Hey, now. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you doing today? All right. Hey, I'm doing good. Hey, so there was actually a request for me to call back in, so I figured I'd give some more tales from the hood of Baltimore. Excellent. Um, So, you know. We are more than happy to have you, sir. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. So, you know, like I said, born and raised in South Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland, right in the city, right? So I wasn't a Towson faggot or anything like that. I was actually in the nitty gritty of Baltimore. Um, I'm what what they would call a light street dirt ball, really. But anyway, somehow I got selected to go to a high school in in the north part of Baltimore. And it was a a, kind of a prestigious high school. Don't ask me how. But um, it was for like the top 10% in Baltimore. Now, being the top 10% in Baltimore academically is kind of like being the leper with the most fingers or, or winning a gold medal in the Special Olympics. But hey, that's neither here nor there. So for me to get from South Baltimore to North Baltimore, I had to catch a couple of buses. And so anyone that's watched The Wire would probably be familiar with some of the areas that I called the bus. So I had to catch the number three and the number 64. Now, the number 64 let me off in a very you know, unique area where, where my where? light skin color was not appreciated, we'll say. And where was this? And so this brings us to our first story. This is the story of um, you know, my daily journey to school. So it was coming back, and this was in, oh, man, my 10th grade year at the school that I was going to. And um, I'm waiting on the bus stop with my friend Matt. And this is back in, let me date myself here. This is back in the day with um, starter jackets. So he had like a, a Michigan starter jacket, right? Now I'm a poor dirt ball. I, I don't have anything. I have an old shitty jacket that, you know, God only knows where I found it. And um, we get off on the number 64 bus stop and we're waiting for the next next bus to come. And a bunch of guys walk by on, on North Avenue and St. Paul Street. And uh, it was like five or six of them at the time. They kind of eyeballed us real quick, right? And I was like, oh, shit, man. I was like, I was like, a bus needs to come. So I'm looking down the street to see if the bus is going to come. Well, they come back around the corner, and I, I knew what was going to happen right there. So I, I was ready. Uh, they looked at my friend Matt, and they were like, hey, man, we like your jacket. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I like it too. And they punched him right in the mouth. Now, Matt was a soccer player. This motherfucker could run. And so he was, boom, gone. 
running down wow. St. Paul Street, no regard for traffic or anything, just fucking gone like a white street. Wow, that's, that's a very me. proactive approach to the problem. Yeah, that motherfucker left me high and dry. And so I'm standing there, and then all these guys are standing around me, and they just wanted to dish out an ass whooping, I guess. But I wasn't really in the mood for an ass whooping that day. So I'm standing on the corner here at St. Paul and North Avenue. There's a church, so like right on holy ground. I'm, there's probably a special place in hell for me after this. But So the first dude... He fucking, we, we square off and um, he come at me. And I know all their names because I had to go to court for this. And the, the first dude's name was Marcellus. <laughs> and um, he came up and I, boom, I kicked that motherfucker right in the face. Pow! And then um, they're like, oh, yeah. They, they regrouped for a second. And then a guy tried to tackle me. And this guy's name was Jesse. Jesse, he tackled me. They were trying, trying to take me down to the ground to, to stomp the shit out of me. And so I wasn't going to be took down. So I knew right then, you know, four-way trash. I always carry my, my folding buck knife. So I whipped that motherfucker out and stabbed him. Pow! Right in the side. His fucking eyes opened up like saucers. And I was like, I just kind of pushed him down. At that point, everything was in slow motion. I just kind of squeegeed him off me. And I fucking ran right through the hole. Everybody's in shock. They're like, this crazy-ass white motherfucker done stabbed Jesse. Ah! And so, no regard for traffic, I run <laughs> right across this busy-ass intersection, right into the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, <laughs> in hindsight, that might not have been the best place to run. I probably should have just kept on running. But, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of, you know, enemy territory, essentially. I had to do something. And so, when I stabbed Jesse, the knife broke. So, if Altoski wants to make me a, a fixed-blade knife that won't break in those kind of desperate situations... I'm more than willing to dish out a few bucks from the uh, from just for that kind of a uh, tool. You know, if you're going to stab somebody, at least have the decency to stab them with a good knife, right? <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm in the Kentucky Fried Chicken with my broke ass knife now, and um, these motherfuckers come streaming in. In fact, they they go and they get Jesse's fucking aunt and everybody. They all come in. So I'm standing there. You can't jump behind the counter because there's fucking plexiglass there, right? And so I'm like, motherfucker, the chairs are bolted to the floor. The only thing I had was salt and pepper shakers and the little fucking red trays that you carry your food on. And so they're just coming in. And I'm like, motherfucker. I was like, I'm about to take some damage here. And so I'm throwing salt and pepper shakers, flinging trays at them and shit. I was like, somebody needs to call 911. And they just look at me like, what the fuck? They're like, this motherfucker done stabbed Jesse. And so, boom, that was my first hit. They, they were all around me. I couldn't watch my six, my, my 12. I couldn't, I'm surrounded. I get hit right in the head of a fucking board. And it split my head open. That's where I got my first, you know, big facial scar. And I, I, I like, man, I'm taking damage here. And as soon as I turned around, it was like, boom, I get hit in the head with a fucking, I think it was a root beer bottle or something. But it fucking hit my head and just it resonated through my head. Anybody that's ever been kicked in the head really, really hard knows that feeling. It's like that, that pressure wave. It's like a ringing pressure wave that goes through your skull. And uh, it dazed me, but it, it still didn't knock me out or anything. And so I started thinking, I was like, man, I got to do something about this situation. So I kind of collected myself and I ran down the hallway and I got in the bathroom. I locked the door. And so I fucking locked the door. They're fucking flipping out, right? And um, I'm looking in the mirror. I'm kind of in shock because the blood's like running down my face. It's in my eyes. So my eyes are fucking red. I look like the Terminator. I got a short, spiky haircut. Fucking face just covered in blood. And, I, you know, I'm kind of laughing about it at this point. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, what is what happened here? And so my first thought was to flush the knife down the toilet because I thought I killed Jesse. And so I was like, man, I, I got to get rid of this shit. So I threw it in the toilet. And at that point, boom, boom, boom. I hear him knocking on the door and just like, it's Baltimore City Police. Open the fucking door. And I was like, I ain't stupid. I'm not opening this fucking door. 
So I'm looking through the vents and I can see the blue pants. So I open the door and they fucking rush me, grab me and fucking bang, knock me up against the wall and beat the shit out of me for a second. And to their point, all they knew was a crazy ass white boy on North Avenue stabbing people. And so I was like, I'm the victim. I'm the victim. And eventually they kind of calmed down a little bit and they're like, where's the knife? And I was like, it's in the toilet, man. I was like, I didn't know what to do. And so then they brought the paramedics in and all this shit. Meanwhile, Jesse's family is trying to come down the hall to lynch my white ass. And uh, I'll never forget this. Jesse's aunt, I guess it was his aunt. She was like, that white motherfucker killed my baby. And then that, there was this fucking RoboCop looking white cop in the hallway. He said, bitch, if you come down this fucking hallway, I'm going to put one right in your fucking head. And she backed off. Well, <laughs> they got the paramedics and shit in. And they, um, they, they sit me on the stretcher and they're fucking like wrapping my head in gauze. I look like the mummy. And then they're like, we want you to lay down on the stretcher and take you out, take, to take you out. And I was like, I'm not laying down on the motherfucking stretcher and looking like a bitch. And so they're like, you got to at least sit on the stretcher. So I sit on the stretcher. <laughs> as they're pushing me out of the KFC, it's like a fucking riot. I mean, it looks like a riot. I've never seen such. It looks like, a, I don't know, like a Martin Luther King Day Jr. parade. You know what I mean? And it, these motherfuckers are hot. They are very upset about what happened, what transpired. And so... Um, I, as I go out, I, I lick my finger and I got got one of you kind of thing. And they just flip out. Everybody starts fucking hooting and hollering. Now, it wasn't anything racial on my part. I was just trying to go to school. But these motherfuckers, they were very much uh, interested in beating my white ass for no other reason than being white, I assume, because I didn't have a nice coat or anything. So anyway, regardless, you know, they put me in the ambulance, as we say in Baltimore, the ambulance. And um, as I'm driving, they send a police escort with me and everything. And the cop, he was cool as shit. He's like, he's like, got that motherfucker good. I was like, oh yeah. He's like, let me tell you something. He's like, next time you stab one of them motherfuckers like that, he's like, make sure you pull that knife up, and get him good. You know, he survived. Obviously, I had to go to court for him, but um, you know, they had to take us to uh, hospitals on the opposite side of the fucking uh, the city. So I had to go to Union Memorial to get my head stitched up, and I, I don't know where the fuck they took him. And so uh, the state of Maryland decided that was felonious assault on their part because it was so many of them attacking me and beating me with a stick and a bottle and shit. And so I had to go to court to testify against Jesse. And so um, <laughs> they rolled Jesse's ass up in a fucking um, wheelchair, a neck brace on, you know, no, they didn't spare any expense and talked about how he was fucking this, that, and the other. And I, I, ultimately, I don't think they really got any time or anything out of it. So it was just another fucking exercise in futility, really. But that was uh, that's my story of having to stab a dude on North Avenue. <laughs> my, that was uh, I look back pretty intense, it, man. One of those was that. I said that was pretty intense, man. You know, uh, I've been in a couple of fights in my life, but I don't think I've ever been jumped by like four or five people at once. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a wild time, man. It was, uh, I don't recommend it. Try to stay away from that shit, Jay. Don't. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm too old for that shit now, man. Situations. That, yeah, remember Jay's passive. Like that's not going to happen with him. Yeah, right. exactly. Now, I see, do, I, I, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to, Budokai said I like tater tots. I do love tater tots. Actually, I sent my wife to go buy tater tots today, and they, she could not find any in the store. It's a fucking tragedy. This quarantine stuff is horrible. Where's my fucking tater tots? Yeah, they just locked us down here in Houston, too. So it's uh, it was all well and good until today. Today at 430, they're, they're saying it's locked down. So there we go. Yeah, anyway, it, it, yeah, so, yeah but anyways, go ahead and continue your story. Sorry, I, I, I said to mention Tater Tots. Since I escaped Baltimore, you know, I'm like a refugee from the People's Republic of Maryland, essentially. Um, but the, the, the last event that ever transpired, I figured I'd tell both my 
fucking wild ass stories. Um, we're, I decided I wanted to go to the movies one day. So it was a Friday afternoon. And this was like the last fucking straw that broke the camel's back, really. Um, me and my wife, man, this was back in, I don't know, 2009 or something like that. We were going to see one of those Terminator movies that came out. I think it was Terminator Salvation or something. I never got to watch that motherfucker because of this incident. And I so don't think you missed much. Theater, <laughs> sitting in the movie theater, and this fucking guy comes and sits down right in front of us, right? Now, I, I, I'm not one to judge anybody. I thought maybe he could be a brain surgeon or something for all I know, but he's on his phone. And that's cool. You can talk on your phone during the previews or whatever. But when the film starts, it's time to turn that motherfucker off. And so I'm sitting there and um, he's talking. This motherfucker's talking like he's on his couch in, in his house, right? He's just yicking and yakking. Ha, ha, ha. And I said, uh, my wife said, she, she was my girlfriend at the time. She said she could feel my fucking blood pump. Now, there's a little story about me. I got two settings. I got ice cold or thermal fucking nuclear. And so... Um, most of the time, I like to stay in ice cold. And so I, I, I decided to chat with this gentleman. And so I, I leaned forward and I said, hey, man, I was like, uh, film started. I was like, can you turn that phone off? And he said, shut up, you white motherfucker, blah, 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 blah. And I said, huh, that took me by surprise, Jay. As you can imagine, I was kind of shocked at that, that kind of language in response <laughs> to my kind request. So I sat back and my wife, she said, I could feel your fucking pulse. It felt like a garden hose. She's like, she's like, I never felt nothing like that before. It was like a surge. I leaned forward again to that motherfucker. And I said, I said, now, mind you, I, I've already been doing jujitsu for, I told you guys this before. I trained back in the day in ground control and everything. So I was familiar with how to choke a motherfucker to death, right? And so I leaned forward and I told him, I was like, motherfucker, I was like, if you don't put that phone away, I'm going to choke you to fucking death. And he jumped up, pulled that fucking knife out, click, click. And I said, Again, once again, this shit was like slow motion. I, this ain't my first fucking barbecue, right? I pulled out my pepper spray and I just let loose. Psst. Got it all in his fucking eyes. He dropped that fucking knife. He was like, ah! I fucking kick him right in his chest. It's stadium seatings. That motherfucker tumbles down the steps. Broom, 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 broom. And uh, I'm following him down. Just following, walking right behind him. He goes to try to fuck. He's trying to figure out his way because it's dark still, right? Movie theater. Uh, people are all fucking choking and gasping because when you release that shit, it makes a good spray. So I got like a good part of the movie theater too. He's trying to figure out his way and I just keep putting a foot right in his ass, right out the door. I put one more foot. He goes right sliding through the door like a like I just shot a big trophy buck, just slid right out the door in front of an Anne Arundel County policeman. Now see, this was Linthicum. So Linthicum's out, right outside of Baltimore. I tried to go there because I had a lot of bad experiences in the movie theaters in Baltimore, as you can imagine. And so I tried to just go someplace where I didn't think I'd have to have problems. Well, it didn't happen. So here, once again, I pushed, put, put his ass down in front of the interim, the county cop. And I said, hey, man, I was like, this motherfucker just pulled a knife on me. Knife's over there. I was like, I, I want to press charges. And my wife came out and she was pissed. Now, Jay, she's from your neck of the woods. I think she's actually from Royal Oaks or some shit outside of Detroit. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's a hipster level. neighborhood. Uh, from yeah, No, definitely it. not. That's a, that's a hipster neighborhood in the suburbs of Detroit. That's not the hood. Right. right? She, wasn't, she wasn't accustomed to my wild lifestyle. And so I'm sitting there all smug, and she's pissed now. You know, we just had a motherfucker pull a knife on us, right? So it's not like the movie. She's not like, oh, my God, my hero. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you going to act that way, right? And I was like, man, I, I didn't do anything wrong. Anyway, so I, we pressed charges on this fucking guy. And then they uh, they play all kinds of games on me, Jay. They postpone shit. They cancel shit. They move it all around. But I, I wasn't giving up. I kept going back and uh, and showing up for the court. 
And eventually they got up and they were like, well, your honor, this motherfucker is training to be an electrical engineer. And I was I just rolled my fucking eyes. I was like, Jesus Christ, here we go. And he was an abused child and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, motherfucker, I was an abused child. I was like, that don't give you the right to just pull a knife on a motherfucker in a movie theater, right? And so um, he got like weekend jail and a mental evaluation. So once again, I said, here we go. And so that was kind of the beginning of the end for me in Baltimore. At that point, I fucking pulled chocks and uh, I went on an epic journey to get the fuck out of there once and for all. And now I, I only go back if drug back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It sounds like yeah, a rough neighborhood. It's a fun town, but it's fucked up. I mean, it'd be great if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, you said you said you ended up getting a facial scar from that, huh? Oh yeah, I got a, I got a, like a fucking Harry Potter looking scar zigzag. Now wow. you know they didn't spare any expense on me. I looked, at, I guess they looked at me and they're like, "This ugly motherfucker. We're not going to try to make it all nice and pretty." So they just stitched me up with like something out of fucking Frankenstein or something. So I got a, a hairline one where the fucking board hit me, and then a, a bottle scar over my left eyebrow here. Uh, where the bottle kind of smashed into my face. Uh, I've got a nifty pirate scar on one cheek, but uh, I don't tell anybody how I got that. You know, uh, it's more fun out. to make them guess. Well, uh, my my weird. most my most common explanation is a monkey knife fight. People oh, like, oh, there are people like oh, I don't believe that. I'm like, I didn't believe it either, and think I didn't think they could jump that high. I, I want to say I could describe Tabular's uh, story with that that same description, but I have a feeling that might bite me in the ass. <laughs> well we appreciate wild you calling with your different stories you got anything else you got any other stories hey does anybody uh, oh, listen uh, any of you guys uh, want to call in and ask him any questions get, uh, or put it on the chat box if you're too afraid to call <laughs> oh no we're not kicking him off <laughs> he can stay as long as he likes uh, we're just uh, i just want to see if you guys got anything you want to ask him specifically and and yes someone else can call in as well and you guys could talk it out. You become new friends. That'd be awesome. It'd be like watching a budding <laughs> relationship. Come on, who yeah, wants we to got have a new friend? We yeah, did get the random guy the other day. Like we, we may have some other, you know, OG virgins out there that uh, can pop their cherry with some knife fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, shit. If you're not, if you want to stick around, Tab, we can actually just. If you don't have any more stories, we'll just move on to the next topic. You can help us with that. No, actually, man, along cool. that same Whatever. topic, Jay, what's your yeah. worst? movie theater experience worst movie theater experience um well uh there was this one time where i went to an adult theater um i was about 19 20 was fairly young it was the first time i'd been in one and uh, i sat down and about five minutes later some dude sits, sits down next to me and and <laughs> and touches my leg and said hey how you doing i freaked out and ran the fuck out of there so that'd probably be my worst uh theater experience what did you expect going to an adult theater it was showing movies for for guys i mean it wasn't you know it wasn't like homosexual movies on there it was just regular okay, movies you, i mean regular porn answered, movies you just answered your own question it was showing <laughs> movies for guys at an yeah, adult I mean, theater that, well, that's yeah, not I, where you go to pick up chicks or watch fine films well, well, you get you have to you you have to remember this is like 1991, 92. Uh, that was unless you for someone a 19 year old who didn't own a TV or a VCR. That was how you watch. You know, that was the first time I'd ever ever seen porn movies for more than a couple seconds. Really, I didn't have cable or anything like that, and they didn't have real porn on cable back then. Anyways, 
Um, so other than a couple nudie magazines I found in the uh, fucking, you know, uh, woods, uh, my porn experiences were very limited. So wh- when I had the opportunity to go into a porn theater and watch it, I was like, oh, sure, why not? I didn't realize that it was it was just a meeting ground for gay, you know, for guys to touch each other's legs and shit. And it didn't like trip you off to leave when you walked in and, and for some reason your shoes were sticking? Well, I assume that part. I've been into like, you know, other types of adult establishments, you know, like the uh, little booth things. Uh, so, you know, I, I figured it might be a different experience and it was a different experience, just not the one I was expecting. So that was the last time I tried that particular thing. Okay. I, yeah, I'm speechless on this one. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, 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 oh, did you mean like a regular movie theater? Uh, I don't go to a lot of those. So I haven't had really any real bad experiences. <laughs> I, you know, either way, I, I just asked questions. Well, how about you? You ever had a, a bad movie experience? You know, when I was going to watch The Notebook, they ran out of Sam Adams on tap. and, and Oh, shit. Tanning, so I, so. I, I went into the movie already crying. And then oh, no. it was the notebook. Like, I think I lost three to four pounds just out of my eyes. It was, it was a rough <laughs> night. I've never actually seen that movie. I heard chicks really love it, though. Well, they do. If you would have went to a movie theater showing the notebook, like, there would have been women there and not strange men wanting to rub your leg. Oh, well, speaking of, ch- of, of shit that chicks like, uh, listen to this. Do you know what that was? If it's not a white claw, I'm kicking you off the show. It was indeed a raspberry white claw. Mm, my hey, first time I've go. ever tried one. Here we go. Man. It so effervescent. It, it is effervescent. I'll tell you what. It's not a mango daiquiri from Red Lobster, but it's not bad. It's not bad. I don't really drink, so it's not really, you know, so something like this is probably be the best for me. Um, used to be a Jack Daniels drinker, but no more of that shit. But, uh, but Ryan's been talking about how much he loves red claws, red claws, excuse me, white red claws, a red claw would probably be better. Uh, <laughs> he's talk, been talking about how much he loves white claws. So I figured I'd give it a shot. Let me, let me take another drink. Mm. Um, well, it doesn't get better for a second drink. Uh, <laughs> it, I, second I'll be can, honest. It'll get better. Yeah, probably. I'll be honest. It's not exactly what I go for, but it's not horrible. I mean, it's better than beer. I, I mean, it's like the, you know, it's it's really the fruitiest I, thing you can drink without an umbrella. And don't get me wrong. I like beer in certain situations. Like if I'm eating something like a burger or pizza, beer's good. Um, but as just like a sit there, drink it sort of thing, it's not my sort of deal. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Dead air. <laughs> I've been trying to avoid that. Uh, <laughs> I, maybe after I say everything, I should go in. What do you think, Ryan? Just, to, just so you guys know that I'm done talking. You, you what do you think me about that, drink So, so I, oh. I couldn't have responded if I would have wanted to. <laughs> All righty. Uh, do you guys got anything else you guys want to ask the fabulous tab? Um, <laughs> you know what? This is really weird. We're going to branch off for a second. I keep on hearing a doop doop in my ear that would make me think that someone's trying to call the show, but I don't see anyone trying to call. So I'm getting confused and kind of afraid. Uh, I've actually closed off all the other windows on my, on my desktop to make sure it's not another program making the sound. And now I think the government's listening to me or something. I don't know what's going on here. Well, holy no, if the government shit. was going to listen. It would have been during Pat's podcast. Oh yeah. Well, I, let me, that, let me that, tell you something about that. 
that 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 brings me to something here, guys. So if we, we need to fill some airtime. I can tell you how I climbed back out of the hole after getting arrested for the whole steroid thing with the 14 felony counts on my uh, permanent record there. It, it's funny you mentioned about the government listening in, right? So I get out of jail and, um, you know, I got to find a fucking job. So I'm, I'm looking around and shit, right? And so I, I was already in the military. So I already had some skills of some sort, right? And so uh, this is back in the day when you still looked in the fucking classified sections to find a job. And so Lockheed Martin was uh, looking for somebody. I didn't get that job. But Northrop Grumman took me. <laughs> and so I, um, I got an opportunity to go do some calibration work on the um, biodetection system for the United States Postal Service. And I could tell you a little bit about that if you want. I didn't sign any non-disclosure agreements or anything. But, um, but anyway, I, you know, I, I owe a lot of my success, like being able to turn my life around to this guy that gave me the job. There was a guy, his name was Sinclair Holly. And, you know, like I said, I had a home house arrest, so I had an ankle bracelet. And so it's funny. I used to tell the fucking girls, I'd be like, yeah, I'm diabetic. This monitors my fucking blood sugar. You know? <laughs> What's that on your leg? Uh, that, that's my uh, fucking diabetes monitor, baby. Don't worry about that. But anyway, um, so I go up for the interview and I'm talking to Sinclair and everything's going great. He's like, oh, I'm really impressed with your background and everything. And blah 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 and i was like you know i was like hey is this gonna be a problem and i lift up my leg and he and show him my fucking ankle bracelet he's like man he's like brother deserves a second chance and that kind of stuck with me throughout my life right and so sinclair he was cool as shit he fucking brought me on and that that contract lasted for a while but it was enough to get me a foothold to kind of put my life back together to kind of bridge into the next thing and the next thing so forth and so on but um you know while i was there i met this um Azerbaijani gentleman by the name of Reza. And uh, he came up, we, you know, we would chat sometimes when we're calibrating the machines and everything. And he's like, Michael, this was back before like prepaid uh, credit cards got like real big. And he's like, I got this idea about sending prepaid cards back to Azerbaijan and then we refill them and charge them a fee. And I was like, fuck man. I was like, count me in. This sounds like a good idea. So we signed up, we started doing some research and everything, and I'll be goddamn, my guy that does the house arrest, he calls me one day out of the blue. He said, he said, what are you up to? And I said, what do you mean? He's like, are you doing something with prepaid credit cards? And I was like, I was like, I've been investigating it with a friend of mine. He's like, well, knock that shit off. He's like, I got a call. They're watching you. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. But I, you know, I never mentioned it to him. So I, you know, I was a little bit more uh, afraid of what's going on. Those motherfuckers watch you. That's for damn sure. Yeah, so that's anyway, kind of weird, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, right. So I, you know, I was able to parlay that um, North of Grumman gig into one at uh, FMC in Baltimore, and then so forth and so on. But um, I, I took a job with the uh, with the nuclear um, energy company out in the Midwest. Well, it was it bought Baltimore Gas and Electric, it was Exelon Nuclear, essentially. And they, uh, they were looking for someone with a, a very unique skill set, one that there wasn't a whole lot of people that possessed at the time. So it goes back to what I always say. You either got to be able to do something they can't do or do something they don't want to do, right? And so finding someone that had the exact uh, capabilities as mm -hmm. prescribed mm -hmm. by the Nuclear uh, Regulatory Commission, NRC 7354, the cyber rule, they were looking for an instrumentation and control engineer that had cybersecurity background. And so back in the day, there was probably only like a, a handful of people that really had that that skill set. And so they, uh, I, I said I was interested. Uh, Exelon Balt Baltimore Gas and Electric, uh, this opportunity presented itself. I said, hey, I'll do this. And so it's like securing the nuclear power plant from a cybersecurity uh, you know, attack. 
And so they flew me to fuck from Baltimore out to um, uh, Clinton Power Station in beautiful fucking Clinton, Illinois, also known as the Great Corn Desert, right? Oh, Jesus so fucking Christ. Oh, dude, I can Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Talk about <laughs> culture shock, right? I, we, we get out there and it's wintertime. So there's fucking snow on the ground. Snow on the ground in Clinton, it looks like fucking Antarctica. It's just snow as far as you can see. It's fucking no corn or anything like that. It's just fucking flat and corny or flat and snowy. And I was like, corny. I was like, what did I do to myself? It was a, quite the culture shock. But I tell you what, my wife, she said the first day we moved into our new house in Clinton, Illinois, she noticed something about me. Like, you know, when you live in Baltimore, you never know when a motherfucker is going to do something stupid and some shit's going to break off, right? And so you're always kind of on guard to an extent. And so when I moved to Clinton, fucking Illinois, in the middle of the Great Corn Desert, I, I could let my guard down a little bit. It felt kind of good. I think my hair even turned a little bit more brown from gray. You know what I mean? And so she said, she's like, she always talks back to that day. She's like, the best thing we ever did was to leave Baltimore. I was like, goddamn right. So anyway, I'm about to start my first day at the nuclear fucking power plant. And they, uh, they do, as you can imagine, if you're going to do work around a nuclear power plant, they do a little bit of a background check on you. And I'll never forget this shit. So I'm fucking sitting there and the lady, she comes out and she's like, she's laughing about it. She's like, ah, she's like, you know, we, we got your fucking background check back. What a, what a, you're going to laugh at this. She's like, it said you had like 14 felony account, felony fucking counts. And I was like, oh fuck. And, I was, and she was like, you know, there's a lot of Michael Thompson. This happens all the time. We'll run it again. I was like, you don't have to run it again. I was like, that's me. And she's like, what? And she's like, well, how did you get a job at the other you know, BG&E? And I was like, they kind of liked me. You know, there was no real background check or anything. It was just kind of, they, they hired me. I was doing contract work there before as a contract engineer. And they just kind of brought me on board. And she was like, oh my God. She's like, I don't know what, what we're going to do. And so basically we, we spent a lot of money to move and everything. So we're in fucking Clinton, Illinois, moved into a new house, waiting to fucking go to work. And now they're telling me I can't work. They didn't do the background check beforehand. Well, it was a, quite the tough spot. So they, they recommend that I do a couple things. So I reached out to the judge to sentence me, and that fucking cocksucker, I, I got his, um, his uh, aide, whoever the fuck, you know, whatever they're called, the, the, the judge's aide. And um, you know, I said, hi, my name is Michael Thompson, blah, blah, blah. I, I turned my life around, this, that, and the other. I was like, you know, I, I'd, I'd like the, the judge to uh, write a letter on my behalf, you know, showing what I've done. And um, she said, okay, I'll take that to him. She took it to him. She's like, he remembers you, and he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this dirty cock sucking motherfucker. And so here's the twist of fate where luck shined upon me, right? So fate was on my side. Um, my lawyer at the time, the one that really you know did a solid for me, he went on to become a judge. And so um, he now held a, a you know a rather high position as a judge. And I called him and he's like, I'll write you a letter. And he testified on my behalf and said that um you know, my, you know, he's a, he's a great guy. And, um, you know, this was a big misunderstanding. You know, he, he went on a limb for me basically. And it was enough that they, they allowed me to get unescorted nuclear access, which I, I got, I had unescorted nuclear access. And so, um, that was kind of the turning point. Now here's the interesting thing. You might have 14 felony fucking counts on your record, right? But if you have unescorted nuclear access, People tend to think, you know, maybe we can still hire this guy. So that was kind of the big turning point for me, like establishing that trust. And um, after that, you know, I never had another problem. I've had several jobs since then. And people that follow me and, and what I do or, or read the um, Reddit page know that I, I was very, uh, I was a high ranking person at, at Coke Industries. 
And um, again, Coke is one of those companies that doesn't, you know, they, they say, don't check the box. They hire felons, give people a second chance, that kind of shit. And to this fucking day, I'll take a bullet for Charles Coke. That motherfucker is all right in my book. I'll tell you what. I know there's a lot of cocksuckers out there that like to talk shit about him, but I'll tell you what. If uh, if Charles ever needs you fucking tucking out, I'll be there. So just letting you know. <laughs> Remind me not to um, piss him off. Right. So anyway, <laughs> um, you know, I, I took that that whole nuclear access thing. I did that for a minute. And I'm, I'm like a cheap whore, Jay. I go where the money's at. So now that I got my <laughs> confidence back because I got unescorted nuclear access, I said, fuck this shit. I was like, I'm going to do me. And I, I just kept jumping around until I found more and more money. That's how you got to do it, right? And so I, I took several roles. I got involved in the, um, the, the world of uh, safety instrumented systems and designing these systems for uh, big companies. So I'm the guy that designs the system that stops the plants from exploding. So as you can imagine, there's a little bit of money in that, right? So I do what they call process hazard analysis. And then I design safety instrumented systems to prevent the bad day from happening. Oh, okay. So, I'm, I'm glad you, know, you described as, that because I, I kind of assume when you said nuclear power plant that you were doing the Homer Simpson role, kind of like hanging out in a control room, eating donuts, pushing a button, yeah. which sounds like a great job yeah, to have, yeah. by the way. It, I would love to have one of those jobs, honestly. Nah, that would drive me <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So um, after leaving the nuclear power industry, I, I, I did that. You know, nuclear power, they, we do a lot with probabilistic risk uh, analysis and those kind of things, like some fancy math to, to calculate the probability of a bad day happening. And so I was able to parlay that and, and do some contract work uh, for some companies down here in Houston. And then that's when Charles Koch came looking for me, not Charles personally, but Koch Industries was looking for someone with a, a, a particular set of skills, right? And experience. They wanted someone that, uh, that had automation. So I do instrumentation control and automation. Uh, someone with that background and then the the, um, the safety instrumented system background to manage a, a billion dollar modernization effort. So I jumped on that shit like a motherfucker and I, I rode that horse for two years and then I got a director level job within Coke Industries. And I, I did that. And then I, I, again, being the chief whore that I am, I, I took a chief engineer and technology officer role at a bullshit ass company. <laughs> and uh, I did that for a little bit more than a year and said, fuck this. Now I'm doing consulting work again. So here I am. But that's kind of how you pull your shit together. And I mean, that was me. I got lucky breaks. I'm always the first to say, you know, people will say, um, you motherfucker, you had some lucky breaks. You know, chance favors the prepared mind, right? You got to fucking make your own luck. And I'm not, I'm not here to say that I, I did it all, you know, without any help. I got some good fucking breaks. Sinclair Holly, shout out to that fucking guy. He's, he gave me, gave me the shot to kind of put things in line. Uh, Charles Coke gave me the opportunity, believed in me. I actually met Charles a couple times. Let me tell you something about how this shit rolls. This is what money gets you, right? Like I said, I love fucking Coke Industries. Best company I ever worked for. So Charles, as we all know, has something called uh, the, the Coke Pack. Um, and uh, it's, it's a, a pretty big political campaign, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You hear so about that all the time. Yeah, yeah. So as you can imagine, he can pull some motherfuckers in at his whim, right? It's good to be a multi-billionaire. So anyway, I, I contributed because that's, that's what you're supposed to do. And um, I'm interested in some of the people he has coming in to talk. And so one day I'm sitting there and then my fucking friend is sitting in the second row. He's like, hey, man, come over here, man. Let's talk for a minute. And so I run up in the front row. I'm sitting down talking and then goddamn Senator Ben Sass walks in. And so everybody's sitting down and then Charles is like right behind him. So Charles sits down right beside me. So now I'm sitting there next to Charles. 
And so fucking ben, Senator Ben Sass, he starts jibber-jabbering about something. And I'll tell you what, this is where it's nice to be a billionaire. I watched Charles stand that motherfucker down. He dressed him down. He said, you know, I got a couple of points I'd like to bring up with you about your stance on the fucking taxation policy of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, God damn, it's good to be a billionaire. I never seen somebody be able to talk to a senator like that. And Ben Sass was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so here's here's my fucking next lesson in life. Be a billionaire. That's oh, what yeah. You you know, I actually know a whole bunch of rich people because of the nature of my job. And, yeah, you know, fucking country and- club, right? Exactly. And, you know, some very rich people and then, and then a whole bunch of, you know, fairly rich people. Um, and I've watched some of them interact uh, on different levels. Uh, like I had a, a really nice old man, uh, like I had to be like in his early 90s, uh, asked me to come over to his house to check out his Internet because he's having problems. Oh, with what the fuck, Jay? Is he going to ask you to fucking baby powder his fucking naked white ass or something? No, no, no. He was just a nice old man and he didn't know what to do. He, he, he was trying to call customer service and he didn't understand their questions and this, that, and the other. So, you know, I, it, he lived like five minutes away from the country club. I, I was on my way home. I, why not? I wanted to be a nice guy. He was a nice old man. Um, so, you know, I tried to work on it for about an hour and I realized it was definitely a problem on Comcast side. So I call them up, you know, and I'm trying to talk them through it. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, well we won't be able to get a, a technician over there until next week, this, that, and the other. And, you know, and after, after a while, he's like, hey, give me the phone. And I watched the sweet old mid 90s year old man turn into a fearsome fucking business tycoon. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't mean to this dude, but it, uh, within like a couple minutes, he got shifted up three or four different levels. <laughs> yeah. He started name dropping people that apparently meant something to the Comcast people because oh, very, very soon, you know, they were, he had an appointment the next day from to come out and fix that shit. I was like, holy shit. And I guess that's how a lot of rich people get to where they're at. It's a lot of it's about their personality and how they go about doing things. It's aggression, Jay. Aggression. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I like it. He like this five foot four, maybe ninety pound old Jewish guy, fucking scared the fuck out of me all of a sudden. I'm like, holy shit! I, I don't think I ever want to get on his bad side. I wasn't aware he had a bad side until just now. And he was never he didn't come at you. What, what was Jinx? Jinx used to have those threads about the rich old white fucker. You, you didn't get any of those scenarios going on, right? No, no. And he was never rude or anything like that. You know, never, never anything that would make you consider that he was an asshole, but just very direct and powerful in his responses. <laughs> I was impressed. Yeah, that's some wild shit there. On, on the yeah, other hand, I, on the other hand, I've seen a man worth several billion dollars steal the paper out of our lobby. <laughs> He didn't get to that $7 billion paying for the fucking paper, Jay. You goddamn right. And it's funny. I see that on a regular basis. Uh, you know, rich people doing what you consider cheap things. And people like to make fun of it and this, that, and the other. And in certain cases, they really can't help it. These aren't people that started their life off as rich. These are people that started their life off as poor or normal people. And they had to be frugal and save everything they could to build their money up and build their business up, you know, and make wise financial choices. And now that they've got millions, millions and millions or even billions of dollars they can't lose the habit of being cheap no this well, is absolutely just, true or sorry go ahead form, right? step on your ride. like if you think about it like these rich people you'll see people like you know millionaires out there that get caught like stealing things like i think half these people are just testing you jay like this <laughs> rich old white guy stealing the paper he's just trying to see if you have the balls to stop him 
Absolutely not. <laughs> not in no in no way, shape, or form. I never stop a member from doing anything. It's their country club. It's their rules that they're breaking. It's their stuff that they're stealing. Whatever you know, I would never. That's not my. That's not my job. Uh, it's management's job to say something about that. Not not little old me. But see, now you'll never have the respect. See that oh. old rich guy's just waiting for you to be like, "Hey, old balls, put the paper down." No, fuck that, Jay. Just fucking straight up tackle that motherfucker like uh, <laughs> Terry Tate off his linebacker style. He goes to grab the paper and you just fucking smash him. Well, I was instruct- instructed to do that once, uh, kind of. Uh, I've had a lot of unusual requests at, at my job. Uh, a lot of my jobs, co- almost like a home- hotel concierge, concierge, I think that's how you say it, or conciliaire, hotel guy that gets people stuff. Um, so I'll, my job is to sit at my desk and have a member, wait till a member either calls me or comes up to my desk and asks me for something. Uh, probably the weirdest thing I've ever had a member ask me was actually a member's staff. Uh, they were having a uh, political thing there, uh, like a senator was having like a, a meeting. You know, she was running for re-election and yada yada. yada. Uh, and we had one of her aides come up to me and say, and say to me, "Under no circumstances let a man in a giant chicken suit in here. Please keep him out of the country club." I was like, really? He goes, you might have to physically restrain him. I'm like, oh, I am all about that. <laughs> it turns out some guy in a giant chicken suit was going to every event that he could find out about the senator and trying to disrupt her campaign, you know, like whenever she speaks or something, by just running around clocking or something. Uh, and to my great regret, the guy never showed up, uh, but I was firmly ready to tackle that giant fucking chicken. If he came through my door, no words said, just fucking immediately pounce. Now, was this before or after you acquired the Wookiee suit? This was because this seems like the only time it would be okay to wear it (laughs) is as chicken protection. Hmm, that is very good. You know, you don't want to catch some sort of giant chicken disease either. Um, But I think it was. I think it was before. I think it was. It was relatively early in in my country club career because I still remember it surprising the hell out of me. But that would that would have been a, a, a a thing to see. Would have been. Oh, sorry, man. I, I think the uh, white claws getting to me, man. I think that means they, I think it means that I think that means they need another drink. Mm. Wow, you are definitely a lightweight because I'm not sure there really is any alcohol on these things until well, you, you get know. to about a, a six pack deep. Oh, I thought you were going to say until you get to the bottom half. I'm like, how do they do that? It settles. Wow, it's like, like salad dressing. You got Back in the day, I used to, I was in the Air Force. I, uh, we would uh, go to Operation Cobra Gold and we'd fuck around in like um, Patea and, and shit like that. And uh, we would drink those Mekong and Sprite. And that's kind of how they were. They were, uh, they were fucking unregulated Thai whiskey. One you drink, you don't fucking feel it. The next one you, you fucking fall off the bar stool. You know what I mean? So, it, oh man, you think Tales from the Hood Baltimore edition is bad. I got to get on here one day and tell you fucking tales from the fucking beaches of Patia fucking stories, man. That's some wild shit there. These <laughs> motherfuckers. Oh, boy. It sounds like so, a drink we used to get in uh, in Iowa. There was this small, small Mexican restaurant, and you could get what was called a Jalisco. And they did them to go, which I think was very illegal at the time. Uh, but you would pay, and generally these things cost anywhere between twelve and sixteen dollars. They didn't have a set price; it was just whoever you dealt with. And they came in a large styrofoam cup with a cover on it, and it was just some amalgamation of whatever liquor they had. It always tastes great, but about halfway through that gigantic styrofoam cup, you were probably going to have the lights out moment, and it was well worth that money. 
<laughs> it sounds yeah it sounds like uh well i mean always a standard drink if you're just trying to get fucked up at a bar would be along and iced tea i assume i see you get one of way get, too pedestrian you don't uh, well come on oh yeah, it does. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I said that's, that's just shit. a standard get fucked up drink yeah yeah in fucking thailand back in the day i'm talking about this 97 or so i know we got a lot of fucking guys here that are in thailand but uh, they had atomic water is what they called it. So I think it was like Mekong, Sprite, and then they would fucking crack open a glow stick and dump that shit in it. So you're drinking this literally gr- glowing drink. I was like, I don't, I don't know if this shit's safe. But yeah, at the time, I was fucking young and stupid, so I would just drink the shit out of it. I didn't even give a right. fuck. You, you see all someone else do it. You're like, well, they did it. It's got to right. be safe. Fuck, they lived. He didn't drop dead. So yeah. But you know, have, have you guys ever been to Thailand before? No, I have never been anywhere. You motherfuckers need to travel. Jay, we might have to start a GoFundMe so we can go to fucking Thailand. I'll, I'll play tour guide. That I do. I do have. An, I, I do have a passport. Uh, just for shits and giggles, I got one last year on a whim because uh, someone someone said they were going to invite me to go someplace, and it didn't ever actually happen. But I figured it wasn't wasted money because having a passport is never a bad idea. Hey, I was yeah, just closest kidding, I've ever gotten was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, closest anyway. I've ever gotten was Japan. But uh, yeah, I lived in Japan well, for a while. Thought hey, about I speak Japanese. How about that shit? The fucking big white guy from Baltimore speaks Japanese. Now, I sound like a Japanese hillbilly when I talk, but it always freaks the Japanese out when the big Hakujin speaks Japanese. So I fucking so uh, you- I roll up on him and Hajime Mashite, Dozo Yoroshiku, Watashi no Namaiwa, blah, 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 blah. You know? <laughs> fucking so when you live there, how did you ever get used to the size of things? Because that was like the thing I noticed. I went there a couple times, and like everything is not built for someone the size of me. Well, being a big dick swinging OGer, you know that that you know that you're, you're accustomed to that from an early age, right? Um, it, it is fucked up. It's I mean I've got so many stories. Okinawa, I was on Okinawa actually, and so that was it's like the asshole of Japan actually. Um, it, it was a wild time though. Wait, 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 wait! The asshole of Japan? Are you saying yeah. my Karate Kid memories are? All fucked up, oh, man. I- motherfucker, first off, check this out. Karate Kid Part 2 wasn't even filmed in Okinawa. It was in fucking Hawaii. What a big crush, crushing fucking thing to my childhood dreams. Oh, when Jesus Christ. I was That's not Okinawa, right. I was all excited. I was like, holy shit. I'm exactly. Gonna go fucking the village and shit. Bust some fucking ice with my hand. Yeah, that shit's all fake. <laughs> oh, no. Fake, man, you're fake. killing childhood memories left and right here, man. Right. Now, I did take karate while I was there. I took Kyoku Shinkai Karate on, uh, what was it, 58 North. That's a wild fucking story there. So I roll up in that bitch. This is, ba- again, back in the 90s. And uh, I, was, I was like, I want to take this shit. They're like, you know, they come over, they start talking to me and shit. They're like, you know, this is full contact. And I was like, Daijobu. I said, that's okay. And uh, so we start fucking around. And, you know, I wrestled in high school, but I never took any uh, serious uh, karate action, right? And so these motherfuckers used me like a punching bag for months. I mean, they just fucking beat my shit in. And so I, I worked the night shift at, on the Air Force Base, and I would go in, and there was a, a high-ranking uh, karateka. Uh, he's, he's actually certified to teach karate in, in, in Okinawa. And this, his name, <laughs> Tech Sergeant Maris, this motherfucker was a bad motherfucker. And he looked like Barney Rubble. He looked like the kind of guy you would just go fuck with, flick him in the ear. Next thing you know, he turned around and reverse punched through your fucking heart or some shit, you know. But anyway, they were trying to tell me to stop. I'd come in, my lips all fat and busted, nose bleeding and shit. And they're like, you got to knock this shit off. And Maris is like, no, let him continue. <laughs> well, anyway, I keep at it. And then one day we do like a fucking Ron Dory session. And they're telling me, they're like, yeah, you do whatever you want. You know, and I was like, this is, you know, this is before MMA really started to take off again. This is back in the early 90s. I mean, it was around, but it wasn't uh, as prevalent, right? 
And so I was like, fuck this shit. So we square off and we're fucking doing our thing. And I shoot a fucking double leg on the motherfucker and I choke him out. Boom. And I just rolled through the whole fucking list. Boom, boom, boom. Then uh, there was one of the higher ranking guys. He also had a black belt in judo. So he fucked me up pretty good. But I, these little motherfuckers that were just kicking me in the face for the last few months, I fucked their shit in. Their shit got pushed in that day. <laughs> you know, Tab, you are certainly a entertaining guest, man. You have so much energy. You just keep on going and going and going. I feel like I don't even have to be here. I could like put the mic on mute and go like play with my dogs or something, go talk to my wife, you know, and come back and I'd still catch the tail end of your story. No, man, it's it's been it's been a wild ride. I mean, now I'm all domesticated and shit. So I'm like a fucking uh Siegfried and Roy Tiger. I fucking forgot how to be a tiger, Jay. I just fucking uh you know, married kids, fucking corporate job, that kind of shit. <laughs> it's fucking uh, every once in a while I want to go tiger again, but uh, I, I, I try to keep it in check. You know? No, no, no. I, I know the feeling. Every you know, every once in a while I I, I you know get frisky and want to relive my days of going out and partying and doing drugs and just you know not having a care in the world, but then I drink a half a white claw and start to worry about the hangover and realize that I'm not young anymore. Yeah, those days. Fleeting moments, like fucking sand through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives, Jay. <laughs> All right. Does anybody on, want, does anyone have a question for Mr. Tab here? Uh, want to give a call in? You're more than welcome to. We always love taking in callers. Uh, or you guys can just listen to us, like, you know, masturbate verbally here for another 10 minutes to show, or, or so to finish off the show. You're saying all right, you verbal minutes. masturbation. It is. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, let's. We were going to do some topics here. Let's finish up with doing a couple actual topics. Uh, I had mentioned earlier that we we're going to talk about legendary OG threads. Uh, do you guys got any that you, you that you're fond of? Yeah. So for me, I, I think the only one I even read today is one that we probably don't have time to unless we want to go to about seven thirty. Um, but that entire Jaco Bear thing. Like I, I don't remember it happening when it was happening, but like the yeah the uh, the recap of this thing is a son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's everyone's homework for tonight. If you're not familiar with it, go to I think it's Jack JacoBearTumblr dot com or something like that. Just look it up. Uh, you'll find it. Read it over. We should probably have to do it. Like you said, a whole episode just on the, what this magnificent troll job. Yeah. So I found that. I found one of the songs. Which was absolute, uh, absolutely a piece of shit, but it was still funny. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a short recap: uh, a pair, an OGer uh, got a random message from a guy that he thought was a wrong phone number. Uh, uh, the guy said was pretended like he was sending a message to a chick. You know, and it turns out he knew it was just a random phone number he was hoping to check. And one thing led to another. This guy pretended to be a chick for like apparently months, uh, led the guy along uh, throughout hilarious conversations. They found out later on that the guy's actually kind of a weirdo that sends random messages to you know people all the time, hoping that the chick he can hit on, yada, yada, yada. And like I said, we, we, I'd have to bring it up and go over it point by point to, uh, to do it justice. But definitely look up Jacob Bear. It is worth every moment of your time. Yeah, you're missing a couple pretty big points here. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I glanced it over, and like I said, that's not something that you you know that I can really go over in like two seconds. But go ahead, and give them a couple more tidbits about it. Yeah. So the other bullet points here, right, is like, so Jay, you kind of touched on it. Like, apparently, this was his thing, was just texting these random numbers. Hopefully, it would be a female. Um, so what came to pass is the OG was eventually able to find out that this guy was actually a pedo, and had actually been arrested for it. 
uh, for basically doing a hitting a sting operation uh, for what he thought was a 12 year old girl that was actually the police. Oh yeah, I, I I skimmed it. I missed that part. Holy shit! And then if you actually look at the guy, right? Like you can tell that this guy is just a, a fuck up anyway. And the great thing about this Tumblr is it still has the pictures that he sent the fake woman. And if you think of what a, a pedophile probably looks like, there's like two things you think of, right? You think about the fat, disgusting, you know, uncle-looking dude. And then you think about this guy who, if you had to like explain him with his shirt off, he has the musculature of a cardboard cutout. <laughs> and it's exactly what you would picture with this guy. And I think the best thing is being the OG we were able to get this guy to hold a sign professing professing his love for P dough P E A dough as in like bread dough and he actually made that sign held it up and was smiling <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't even know uh the whole story about it and i actually used a couple of his threads i mean a couple of his pictures uh like whenever i have someone following me around on like the forum posting a lot of bullshit about me you know obviously trolling me i'll just post so you my girlfriend now <laughs> and post that the picture is it's great for that it, it normally stops the conversation right there but it's good yeah, to know where that, all that stuff actually came from um, well, we lost a tab, which is a bummer, but I do appreciate you being on, sir. Uh, we're, we're going to finish up in a couple of minutes. Uh, feel free to call it back. Just to say bye if you want, but you know, no pressure. <laughs> um, let's see. We do have a couple more minutes. You know what? Uh, let's see. What else did we want to talk about? I knew there's one other thing. Oh, you know what? Not something that I had a topic for, but uh, when Tab was talking about his different jobs, uh, one of the things he mentioned was, you know, working at a nuclear plant and all that stuff. And it made me think about uh, nuclear war in general. You're not quite as old as me, but you're still in the same age range. When I was growing up, nuclear war terrified me. It was something that was on my mind fairly consistently, for, uh, you know, which is weird for being a child. But you know, being a child of the '80s, it was probably yeah, in the Cold War. It was on a lot of people's mind. But it, it was something that I worried about probably way more than a little kid should have. Uh, being uh, about 10 years uh, younger than me, did you have the same sort of issues? No, not in the slightest. No, no. Okay. Well, I mean, you didn't have any worries, you know, what was the worry of your generation if it wasn't nuclear war? Uh, I think probably growing up, the biggest worry was, you know, when were you going to get the first hand job? Uh, and once <laughs> you got that out of the way, I, I think life was easy. Well, you know, I guess maybe it's, and I've talked to other people my age, so I know I'm not unique in this. We really seriously thought at points there was going to be a nuclear war. Oh, excellent. We have a call. One moment. Let's see. Welcome, Homelander. Well, I'm glad that, that you called in. We're, you know, uh, apparently y your wife is also having a good time too. <laughs> but you really shouldn't have it on speakerphone. It sounds like you're kind of busy. I, I know that moan anywhere. That was the first hand job that we were talking about. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Thank you for the phone call, Homelander. Uh, like I said, go ahead and finish up with your wife. Uh, we'll be here when you get back. Uh, X hey, we have another phone call. One moment, please. Welcome, James. 
You're live, sir. Go ahead. Hello. Hey, how you doing, sir? Uh, I don't quite know what to think of all this. Uh, is, is this a? Uh, are some? Uh, are you all homosexuals? No, only about half of us, I believe. I, I thought we were supposed to be non-binary. That's the thing, right? Right, exactly. Come on, it's it's 2020. Don't label people anymore. We might be homosexuals. We may not. We might not be homosexual. Well, we might suck dick. You might suck dick. It doesn't really matter anymore. Host, have you seen all the comments and the and the messages here? Yeah, yeah. You, you have you, you have to remember this is the OG. Uh, it's the off uh, topic uh, forum for mixed martial arts. Um, Lowbrow is what we do for the most part. If you're in the OG and you haven't been called gay, you have not been logged in long enough. Exactly. <laughs> don't mind them, really. They, they don't they don't mean any harm. But we do appreciate you stopping by for, uh, and checking out our show. Um, yeah, this the, this entire show was created off of the off-topic forum of a mixed martial arts forum of, by a whole bunch of people just fucking around wanting to get together and talk, and it kind of grew from there. So uh, I do apologize if it's kind of odd. <laughs> Okay, so I guess I'm not being hit on by 10 guys. You're being hit on by 10 guys. You might be actually, uh, but no, for, for the most part, they're, they, you know, they, now, now if you send them a picture of your dick, they might like it. They might not, but for the most part, you are, your butthole is safe. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, I thank you for calling trying to say is circle jerk at Jay's house. Let's glaze some donuts. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if we got this reputation of, of like a gay podcast? <laughs> it's the internet. Like it's, that's going to happen. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, looking at the time, we've got about an hour in, which means it's about time to finish it up. Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys listening. Tab, you were an awesome caller as always. Feel free to call back whenever you want. Ryan, do you got anything you want to say or, or cover? You know, am I kicking it off too early? You got anything you want to do? No, as always, F the OG and the other guy loves you in a special <laughs> way. All right. You guys have a great night. And as always, I appreciate your, your uh, listening. We will see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You guys have a great night. Bye-bye.